out the Junior High Ministry Podcast at Mariner's Church. For this and more content, check us out online at marinerschurch.org slash jhm. It's a big group. This is what I want to do. What's up, dude? I love you, too. I love you, man. Love you, too, dude. All right, everyone do me a big favor. If you're, when you're sitting in your seat, everyone move your chair up like a foot. All right, everyone move your chair up like a foot. Oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want. Just crowd right in here. I want you guys to really see and hear this and feel this. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Oh, this is great. Perfect. You guys are doing exactly what I want. I'm not even mad about this at all. Good, I love this. I love seeing all your faces. This is great. I love seeing all your faces while still having the lights dim. So I have, I'm basically have everything I want right now. This is great. So how are you guys doing this week? Everyone doing good? Anyone have a really good week? All right. Anyone serving VBS this week? All right, who's on the red team? Who's on the blue team? Oh, yeah. And that was like the most fun I've ever had, ever. I think everyone should serve in VBS. I think it was just the most red ever. It was great. So this is the deal. I, I was really lucky last night. Last night, I went to dinner. I had a really good dinner. I went to this Italian place. It was like delicious food. I love eating really good food. I'm willing to spend a little extra money on really good food. I love Chick-fil-A, but I'm willing to spend a little extra once in a while for just a killer meal. So I got this uh, Linguini Pescatore, which is totally Italian, and it has clams in there and mussels, throwing some scallops, some shrimp, some salmon, and like you're off to the races. I know, it's, I know, t- totally. Like pretty much an aquarium full of food on my plate, and I'm eating it. So that shows you how healthy I am. Uh, and it was really, really good. This is the thing. I'm a huge, I'm a huge dinner guy. And I think dinner's never more important than at a wedding. Who, who goes to a wedding? Anyone go to a wedding this summer? All right, now I've been to a, a couple weddings. And this is the deal. First of all, if you come here a lot, you're seeing that this is probably the dress up you're ever going to see me. I don't dress up that often because I don't like dressing up. I, I, I feel like the tie is choking me and shoes. Like I feel like my toes just want to escape. So I hate wearing shoes. But I had to go and dress up for these weddings. So... I went with my girlfriend, we went to Banana Republic, which I would never go to that store by myself, ever, in a million years, but we went there, and we bought one outfit that would serve me for all of these weddings that I was going to. I got a pair of gray pants, striped shirt, purple tie, purple, way to go, a black belt, and black boots, all right? So I'm wearing all this stuff, and your belt and your boots have to match, of course. So I'm wearing all this stuff, and the whole thing was I was going to wear this to every single wedding that I went to. Now, I went to a really good wedding. I've been to a, a couple of weddings so far. I went to a really good wedding this year. It was amazing, probably one of the best weddings I've ever been to, Diane Jones's wedding. It was amazing. Literally, I loved it. The food was out of this world because when I have good food at a wedding, this is what it does for me. I don't know about you guys. When I have good food at a wedding, it makes me want to dance. I'm a lot more willing to get on the dance floor and have fun if my stomach is full of good food. Now, if my stomach is empty or it's not full of good food, I'm not really enticed to go on the dance floor. I went to a a wedding last week. I wasn't here last Saturday. I went to a wedding, and I love my friends. They were awesome. This is what they were serving. They had a pasta bar, which I have no problem with pasta. I'm Italian. I like pasta. But I'm eating this food, and it's like splashing all over my really nice shirt that I wear once in a while for these weddings, of course. And I'm sitting there getting pretty bummed. I'm sitting there and thinking about Chick-fil-A. I'm thinking about how hungry I am. My shirt's all stained, so I'm not in the mood to dance, obviously. So everyone was really robbed of, of you know, the opportunity. Is this shining in people's eyes? I'm going to take it off. I don't want this to be distracting. 
So uh, we, I had no desire to dance, so everyone was robbed of my awesome dancing skills at this wedding. And it really got me thinking. And it really got me thinking about Jesus when I started doing the prep for this lesson. Because Jesus was a normal guy. This is the deal with him. Even though he, yes, was totally God, and even though, yes, he was totally man, he came to earth as God to teach us stuff. That's the reason he came. Now, the thing about Jesus, which is really good, one of the things that I like, he was totally normal too. He had dinners. He hung out with friends. He went to parties. I mean, if you read the Gospels, that's how he spends his time, with his closest friends, going to parties, eating dinner, teaching a lot. But that's what he did, and he was a totally normal guy. And that's really what separates Christianity from everything else. Everything else tells us, you know, us getting to God, how we're going to achieve and be good and achieve this level of knowing and whateverness. With Christians, it's all about Christ coming to us, that he put on flesh, walked around on earth as a human being, and taught us stuff along the way. So in this specific story that I really liked, it was him at dinner with a bunch of people that actually in this story, they actually weren't his friends at all. These guys called the Pharisees, and it takes place in Luke chapter 14. This is a picture of that. Now, this is Jesus sitting there. I don't know why every single picture is like black and white these days. Maybe it's like Instagram. There's like an Instagram photo of Jesus. And this was him, and it's black and white, so obviously you know what, what, uh, what uh, lens they like. And this is all, all the guys in the goofy hats were all Pharisees. Now, let me give you just a little knowledge about this. The Pharisees were all about one thing. They were all about being really, really good at being a Jew, like, they were, they were all about being really, really good at being Jewish. So, like, if you're a sixth grade boy, like, you would be, your whole mindset was being really, really good at being a sixth grade boy. You know, I, every Thanksgiving, I usually watch these dog competitions. First of all, because these people are lunatics. All right? Now, I make fun of people with, with dog, like, things all the time. And I do it with staff all the time. We always joke about, man, if you're dressing your dog up in clothes, you got to get real. I mean, it's a dog. If you're, I don't even go to the spa that often, but my next door neighbor's dog goes every week. That's not even fair. Like, in what world is that? And it, there's like these, these trucks that come on. There are businesses dedicated to pampering your dogs and giving them nail polish and all this stuff. My beautiful girlfriend back there, well, you get your nails done what? Every couple weeks? Some of these dogs, twice every, every two weeks, some of these dogs get their nails done every week. Get real. Oh my gosh. I, was, I wish I had the pictures up on the screen. I was once walking around with my beautiful girlfriend. This is how you do it. This is not in my notes. This is just a tip. This is life lesson for all of you. If you ever are walking down the road and you see a woman or a man carrying a dog in a stroller in a, or in like a baby Bjorn thing, this is what you do. Because you kn I know what you want to do. You want to take a picture of it, okay? I know you want to take a picture of it. But you can't just be like, oh, this is goofy. I want to take a picture. This is what you have to do. You have to totally be all about it. You got to fake that you are just so, oh my gosh, I love dogs and strollers. That's so cute. And just make them feel that you're on their team and then take a picture, post it on Instagram so we can all like it and laugh at it. That's how you do it. But basically, this picture is about, uh, and that was just a side thing to say, I watched this, uh, this dog thing. And the way they judge these dog things, it's all about which dog isn't one dog being better than another dog. It's what dog is best at being their kind of dog. So not is a lab better than a golden retriever, but is the lab the best at being a lab? That's how they judge these dogs, these dog-like shows. And here, these Pharisees, they judge each other not on who, who loves the most or who cares for the homeless the most or who cares for each other the most or who respects their parents the most or who teaches their friends and shows their friends about God the most. No, no. they do it based on who is the best at being Jewish the most. So if you're really good at being Jewish, in their eyes, you've achieved a level of awesomeness that you know, no one else can match. This, that was their thing. 
Now, Jesus had a very different perspective, and that's what I love about Jesus. He never just went with the flow. He taught what God was teaching. He taught what he felt was the way, the truth, and the life toward heaven. So when he's giving this depiction, this story that I'm about to share, it was very hard for them to swallow this because it was very different than anything they've ever heard before. You know, being a rebel is not a bad thing sometimes if you're doing it for the right reasons. Now, Jesus came to do it for the right reasons. He did, came to teach us stuff that they weren't teaching, stuff that they weren't a big fan. That's why these guys didn't like Jesus, because he's telling everybody stuff that they didn't want them to hear because they didn't like it. They love being really good at being Jewish. But with what Jesus is about to say, it changes all that. You know, when I think of a, a, a dinner like this, when I think of a dinner where you're sitting with people who really don't like you that much, this is what I think of. I think of a big food fight. And I would love it if Jesus just picked up a big thing of mashed potatoes and just started throwing it. I wish that was in the Bible. That'd be so tight. Food fight in the Bible. He's thrown over temples, in, 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 tables in the temple and whatnot, but there's no food fights in the Bible. It'd be so cool. Uh, I was in a food, not really a food fight recently. This is just a funny picture I wanted an excuse to put up on the screen. That's me being covered in karma on the blue team. Look how sick that is. Who, and I totally did that willingly, and it dumped all in my mouth and stuff. It was so sick. I just wanted an excuse to put that up there. Now, this is the thing. In Luke chapter 14, if you have your Bibles with you, open them up. I know a couple of you brought it, but it's up on the screen. I'm going to start with verse 15. I want you guys to hear this. This is the good stuff. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. This is the backstory of those first 14 verses. Jesus is there having dinner, hanging out with these guys, sharing stories, uh, sharing ideas. Now, Jesus was a Jew. Don't mistake me. Jesus was a Jew. And he wasn't just a Jew. He was actually a rabbi. It wouldn't be abnormal to see him in temple teaching. It wouldn't be weird to see him uh, walking around and, you know, res, res, you know, honoring certain parts of Judaism. I mean, he was a Jew. He was all about these things. But he was also about his father's work. Not just being a really good Jew, but being Jewish and following the father's work. That's what he came here to do, to do the father's work. He said it many times in the Bible. And in this... What's happening is the Pharisees looking at him, and basically after everything Jesus had just said, he says, man, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. What he's really saying is, blessed is the Jew who's really good at being a Jew, because those are the ones who are going to eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Blessed are the ones who are really good at being good. Blessed are the ones who follow the rules really, really well. Blessed are the ones who understand the system we put in place and follow it really, really well. Blessed are those people. Jesus had a problem with that. He had a real big problem with that because that's not what, what God teaches. That's what they've designed for themselves. That's not what God is about. And so he starts sharing this story, this parable. And he speaks in parables all the time if you read through the Gospels. And he uses this parable here to tell this story about this great banquet. And we're going to go through it verse by verse, and I'm sh hopefully show you a couple really cool things about it. Starting with verse 16, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. So this, let me set the stage. This is what's happening. A banquet's taking place. Now, this banquet isn't an actual banquet. It's a parable. So what's he referring to then if he's not talking about an actual banquet, right? He's actually talking about God. In this story, the banquet, uh, the banquet uh, guy 
the one in charge of this whole deal is God. The certain man that he's talking about who was preparing the banquet, that's God the Father. And he's preparing this banquet for everyone to come be a part of. But there's something that starts happening. See, he, he doesn't, he, this isn't just for people who are really, really good at being a Jew. This is for people who want to come. And, and he has people in mind that he wants to bring in. But there's a disconnect that's taking place. You'll see it in the next verse here. In verse 18. But all alike they began to make excuses. The first one said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Verse 19. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of ox. And I'm on my way to, to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. Just like that. Pretty, can't be there. So this is the deal. This is what I see in this. And this is what I want you guys to see in this too. Every single one of these things are things that are given to us by God. You know, the land that we have, God was the architect of everything. From the mountains to the valleys to the oceans to the rivers to the creeks to the campus that we sit on here in Irvine, God designed all of it for us. You know, we think of these oxen. And God meticulously designed every single animal. It's in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 he talks about it. How he designed every animal and with Adam gave names to every single one. And he gave us these animals as a gift for us to have and be masters over. And then he gave us marriage, this beautiful picture. And you see it in the book of Genesis and all through the rest of the scripture. The loving relationship between a man and a wife where they leave their parents and are joined together as one. It's beautiful. Now this is the deal. These are all gifts that God gives us, yet these people are using them as excuses to get out of this thing with God, this relationship, this banquet with God. They're using them all as excuses. Now in, in verse 18, or verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to the master. Master being God. And the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant to go out quickly into the streets, the alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. There is still room, but there is still room. Notice what's happening. God's seeing this take place. He's seeing people who are putting the idea of being a really good Jew before the idea of following God. They've replaced this thing of following God with following kind of what they think is the path to God. Now, this is the disconnect. God says that I have a different plan for you. And this is all still taking place at dinner. This is still taking place over a meal. So the Pharisees, who are not a big fan of Jesus, are all still sitting there. And Jesus is really saying to them that the idea you have of following God, this concept of being a really good Jew, is not the way that God sees it. God sees it actually in a totally different way. He sees it like a banquet that you all chose not to come to because other things were more important. Things that he gave you as a gift were more important. But when it came time for this banquet, did God say, you know what, we'll just do this banquet another time. Now, I've done that before. I've had a party that no one showed up to. It was actually really, really embarrassing for me. I felt really bad because I got all this stuff and all this pop and all these things. And actually, no one showed up to it. So I sat there with all this stuff in my house. It was super embarrassing. Maybe some of you have felt that at one point. It was, totally, it was the worst. I hated it. And there's the thing. Is God the Father saying, you know what, we'll just do this banquet another time. Let's just pack it in. Is he saying, let's just do the banquet with, with, with who we have, 
we're good with who we have. So, you know, some of these people, yeah, they were really trying hard to be a really good Jew. Uh, some of them got it right. Some of them got it wrong. Let's just party with who's here, and it's not a big deal. We'll just, we'll figure it out. No, no, no. To me, this story says that God the Father, in fact, cares about people more than what the people do in some ways. It tells me that when God's thinking of who to bring into this banquet, it's not about how good you were at being you or how good you were at being an idea of a sixth grader or a seventh grader or an eighth grader or as a student or as a son or as a daughter or as a brother or a sister. No, I think he's saying here in this story that he cares more about people than he cares about your resume of how good you've been. See, we see in the next verse, in verse 23, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, this is what's happening here. See, to them, these highways and these hedges, these outside of the cities, to them in the story, it doesn't mean anything to us right now, but to them, to the Pharisees, that represented like these Gentiles, these outskirt people who, who weren't really connected at all. I remember a couple weeks ago I talked about uh, the woman at the well. And you know, she, you know, she uh, was kind of a hybrid between the Jews and, the, and these other group of people. And no one really liked her. You know, she was a Gentile. And in this story, he's referencing people who were Gentiles. People that the Pharisees would have no love for, no compassion for no respect for, no desire to bring them into the temple. It actually was more about keeping them out of the temple than bringing them into the temple. That this story, the way Jesus is sharing it, would actually shake a lot of their thinking. Because these Pharisees were so concerned with how to be the best Jew possible that they're missing out on what the God the Father thinks is the most important. And that's people. You know, he's pointing all the arrows are pointing to people as the most important part. That when he has this banquet, he doesn't want it being filled with, with fake, phony people. He doesn't want it being filled with act-alikes, like people who are going to act like the best they can be. He actually wants it filled with the people that you wouldn't expect to bring, that the Pharisees would not expect to have at their banquet. So, what does that mean for us? You mean, I love this word, compel. I'm actually a huge fan of it. The definition of it, actually, I looked it up and I put it on the screen. To force or drive, especially to a course of action. Perfect. Thank you for that. This is my feelings about this. When it comes to compelling someone, when it comes to an idea that you hold so strongly, and you're called to compel them to be a part of it, because that's what God the Father is calling us to. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying it's not about how good we do in here. It's actually about the people, the lame and the homeless and the people who don't know Jesus and the guys and girls at your school and the friends who live down your street and the people you go to Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts with and the ones you play sports with every week and the ones you go on vacations with. It's about those people. The people you, you maybe wouldn't expect hold high value to God. Actually in this story, held the most value. You know, so what does that mean for our ministry here at Mariner's JHM? What does that mean for us and how we do things? Well, I'm actually going to give you a snapshot of that. And I'm actually really excited about it because it's something that I've been working on for a while, and it's going to be rolling out after summer. So everyone listen up. This is the direction that we're going to be taking the junior high ministry here at Mariner's. And it's going to be built around, partially built around, reach teams. Every campus Every student, 
having the easy, accessible ability to reach their friends. You know, it's hard for me sometimes, because even as an adult, it's not as easy as you might think to just walk up to someone and share the gospel and invite them to church. But what if you could make it easier? That's what I started wrestling with. What if we could make it easier? What if we could find teams of people at every campus and put together teams for them? What if we could equip them with t-shirts and bracelets? What if we could give them invite cards, not generic invite cards for the whole ministry, but designed and catered for your school? Colors, directions, everything from your school to Mariner's JHM. What if we could give bags of candy, not just to have candy, but to use it as a tool to invite your friends to church? What if we could do more Freebie Fridays in different areas to make it easy for you, not difficult, not complicated, not a worry or a stress or, you know, how am I going to do it or am I, do I have the guts to do it or am I the only one who's doing it? What if we could design it in a way where you all, who some of you go to the same schools, would be able to be paired together in a team to reach your friends on your campus? Everything that I'm designing for this and that we're putting together as a team is geared toward these reach teams. When we get done with summer, when we get back from summer camp, you're going to be hearing a lot more about them. I want, truly want, every single one of you to be a part of it. I want to have stacks of cards for every junior high campus in Orange County. I want you to feel that it's easy for you to reach your friends. That it's not about you being the best 6th, 7th, or 8th grader you can be. It's not about you being the best guy or girl or sports athlete or student or whatever. But it's about our responsibility that God gives us to compel people to come in. You know, we do these bracelets, and probably a lot of people think we do the bracelets just because we like bracelets. And actually, it's not true at all. We actually drew these bracelets as an easy way for you to share what's happening at JHM with your friends. That if they want to come, maybe you take your bracelet off and you give it to them and you invite them. And then you come back and get another one. And then maybe you give that one to another friend. And then you come get another one. And these are all tools, not things, not because we want to, you know, be excited about the stuff we have, but that we have tools to make it easy for you to share God with your friends. You know, every Tuesday during the summer, we do these summer Tuesdays, not because we like just doing crazy fun stuff, but because we want to make it easy for you to share Christ with your friends. Listen, I look at the Bible, and I feel compelled. I feel compelled to see what Jesus did and how he taught and to take action about it. I feel compelled to do that. And I hope you guys do too. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to leave you with something today to make it easy. This is the easiest thing in the world. When you guys leave, there's going to be leaders at each of the doors, and they're going to give you a book called a life book. I want every student to take two of them. And listen, this is so simple. Sometime this week, Find two friends. They can be on your sports team. They can be Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. They can be their next door neighbors. They can be, I don't care, whatever. Invite them. Give them a book. Tell them that we do fun stuff here, which I think we do. And we learn a couple things from a guy who I believe is really trustworthy. And they should come and be a part of it. And have your parents give them a ride if you have to. They'll say yes, trust me, I know they will. I want to make it easy for you to do the stuff that Jesus did. If we're making it hard for you to do that stuff, we're not doing a good job. So I'm going to make it easy for you to be like Jesus was. So let's pray. Grab a book on your way out, two books each, and, and let's have a great week. And I hope to see you guys all on Tuesday. Let's pray. Dear, shh, 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thanks for the truth from your scripture in Luke about what it means to look, act, and talk, and be, and compel like Jesus did. Lord, let us have a great week. Give us opportunity to talk to our friends and bring us all on Tuesday or next weekend. Bring us to learn more about you and to be excited and to make it easy to do more of the things that you did. Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray this all in your name. Amen.